0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Gut Wrench Podcast. I'm your host, Mocha, and welcome to the Anniversary Show. And yes, this week, or this episode, as well as not the next episode on the 8th, but the episode after that episode on the 8th would be the 15th so the episode on the 15th of October I will also be doing more giveaways how do you participate in the giveaways the anniversary show is today how do you participate in the giveaways before I get into the um the pay-per-view that we watched this week here's how you participate in the giveaways i will have gift cards and or cash amounts in cash app on paypal or a directory i will have a directory in order to fund your account all you have to do is DM me. If you do not DM me, then I cannot fund your account. I know. Sounds like one of those. Call this 1-800 number now and you will receive $15,000 in your bank account. Do you have free money laying around somewhere? Well, if you call this one eight one eight hundred number... Give us your social security number, your mom's maiden name, what street address that you lived in, and your email address and password. We can identify for you what lost assets that you have. So, call the 1-800 number today. And then, you know, he's like a bad salesman (laughs) trying to get you to call his scammy 1-800 number that's why i had to wait until like 4 in the morning so that he could uh promote his commercial on television when no one except crackheads are up all night um watching tv they they're th- cuz they think that the government's coming to get them anyway this week despite the giveaway it's not a scam that's a promise that's a guarantee It's not a scam. Nonetheless what I mean to say is if you DM me and this goes for the first and I can't do it for everyone okay so I'm going to have to circumvent this somehow. This goes for the first five people to DM me and then say that they want to participate in the giveaway so the first five people between today and between Friday okay so it's Saturday now or it's going to be Saturday after this is posted it's Friday night for me but it's going to be Saturday whenever this goes up Saturday morning and then I'll give you practically six whole days and then after that it'll be null and void. Whenever the clock strikes midnight uh, Thursday bleeding into Friday or, or I'm sorry, Friday bleeding into No, Thursday bleeding into Friday, because I said Friday night it's it's done, Monday through Saturday through Friday, rather, it's done. <clears throat> anyway, had that been the case, thank you all so much for joining me. My name is Mocha, and also um, something else that I forgot to report on that I was so excited to report on um, last week is Soraya. You might know her as Paige from the WWE, but we're not going to we're not we're not going to entertain her name as Paige anymore. I suppose, um, Soraya recently made her AEW debut now throughout this past week and throughout the week uh, that she did make her AEW debut all I keep hearing or all I keep seeing on Twitter is stuff like oh she's back well I didn't want her to come back like this Boo hoo. Boo-hoo, woe is me, oh my goodness, I didn't want her to come back like this, I wanted her to come back in the WWE, where's Paige, I miss Paige, oh where is she, who's Soraya, I'm not happy about this, and they're the same people who said, I want Paige, and I want her to come back. To wrestling. It's like you can't please these people. Kind of like I'm damned if I do. And I'm damned if I don't. Why can't you just be happy that she's back. Rather than trying to throw a, a piss party. About the fact that she's in a different company. Why did she have to go to them. Why couldn't she just stay with WWE? Boo-hoo. I'm mad. And I'm sad. And I'm upset. And somebody pissed in my Cheerios. Boo-hoo. Get over it. Anyway, Soraya had returned to AEW and me... Myself, quite frankly, I was happy that she had returned in any capacity at all, and whether that's as a referee or whether that is as a um commentator or uh a backstage hand uh manager a valet um there's many different roles that you can take i mean she could be backstage interviewing people. She could be a uh, wellness coach in AEW. She could be a producer, uh, much like Chris Jericho is. uh, Some sort of backstage hand or some sort of uh, production value to AEW in one form or another. but it appears that she is a active competitor because on the website aew.com she seems to have some sort of record and her record reflects zero wins zero losses zero draws but if that's the case then I'm happy to see her back in any capacity whatsoever, whether that is as a competitor or as a third-party affiliate in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. Now, for the anniversary show, I thought, what can I do? And I've been racking my brain, trying to figure it out, until... It dawned on me on Thursday, whenever I was about to go to sleep at 11 o'clock at night and I realized that if I don't do something, then I'm going to be left doing it all Friday night, which is tonight, Um, and I don't want to have to cram it all down into one episode, But I spent until Thursday trying to figure out what it is that I'm going to do. I also waited until the last minute to try to find my uh, other notebook that I had. Because what I wanted to do was I wanted to take the very first Gut Wrench Podcast episode. The very first Gut Rich Podcast episode that was recorded October 3rd, 2021. Rather uploaded October 3rd, 2021. And what I wanted to do was take that episode... Or take the notes that I had from that episode and compare them to the notes that I have now. Because ladies and gentlemen. I just brought you a full calendar year of nothing but content. Why do I say that? Well. In front of me I have the same event that i previously watched this makes the third time that i have watched it believe it or not so the first time that i watched it i i I don't know how how exactly to go about explaining it But rather, what I mean to say is that I wanted to take that old notebook that I had and um, I wanted to compare it to the notes that I have here and now and draw some, and also for consistency reasons, but draw some parallels, if if you will. Look at those notes and then say, hey, here's what I ranked it then and here's what I'm ranking it now and then think huh why would I rank it here at so and so an amount of stars whenever I would rank it here at so and so an amount of stars the only two rankings that i possibly remember um, off the top of my head is the co-main event and the main event so the main event I remember um, Specifically, jumping up and down in joy, uh, saying something along the lines of "Yeah, five out of five stars! Oh my God, such a banger of a match," uh, and only having one disappointment to the entire event. Um, and that being the ending, and it's not the entire ending, like the way that the event ended per se. Kind of like um a plot hole wasn't exactly resolved. Hey, we'll talk about that here in just a second. I keep yawning and I don't know why. I must be extremely tired. Okay. But with these notes in front of me and not the, um, uh, first notes that we took, but rather the, um, notes that I took whenever it comes to this event that I just got done watching between yesterday and today, Extreme Rules 2021. And not only did I watch this event, um... But also I had done a YouTube video on it. And I remember that video. I hadn't went back and watched it or anything. But I remember that video. How I specifically uh, talked in general about the fact that people on Twitter were. And I remember seeing people on Twitter going crazy. They were just like. Oh, hashtag regular rules, or hashtag uh, extreme rules sucks. Because throughout this entire event, the name of the pay-per-view is Extreme Rules. And I remember talking about this on my YouTube channel as well. The fact that whenever they make a pay-per-view name, that's usually the gimmick that they stick with. And in that regard, what I mean to say is, take a Hell in a Cell for an example. Whenever they make a pay-per-view event based on the name of a wrestling match, usually every match, or almost every match, at least two or three or four matches, have that same gimmick. It's not just, oh... One match that that one main event match is the entire premise of our I'm going to put this in air quotes pay-per-view gimmick because there was only one count them only one extreme rules match in this entire event despite the event name actually being extreme rules rules whenever they make hell in a cell for instance i remember um there's like countless uh hell in a cell matches at the hell in a cell event because that's what the entire event is wrapped around practically that's what they named the event after like if they make an event and call it still cage on fire you you would expect to see at least two or three steel cages on fire. Whenever they make an event and they name it War Games, you would expect to at least see two to three War Games matches. But I I just don't know what to say here because, like I said on my YouTube channel, Extreme Rules. Everybody kept hashtagging Regular Rules. And I thought it was. It's kind of funny if you think about it. Hashtag regular rules. These are all just regular rules matches. So, anyway, let's go to the opening of that event. One thing that I did note, however, is the fact that the WWE champion um, at this time, Biggie Langston, um. In this six-man tag team match that we have. Even though he is. The WWE Champion. And he is. Um, for that matter. It, it bothers me. It bothers me that they couldn't have had like. A rematch between Lashley and Big E. Instead they had. They have to have Biggie, Kofi, and Xavier versus AJ Styles, Omos, and Bobby Lashley. And the one thing that they talked about was the fact that the draft was coming up. That you that apparently was a huge role in this. Playing a huge role in this. And then later on in the night, Bobby Lashley would go on to say, Uh, Biggie, you are a chicken shit. And then he said to win in the fashion that you want in is bullcrap. You know, you hide behind Xavier and you hide behind Kofi. And the way that, uh, the way that Big E ends up winning here is, uh, it's just a miscue from AJ Styles and Bobby Lashley. Whenever, uh, Big E is in the ring, um... AJ goes for a phenomenal forearm. He ends up missing and then trying to rebound himself off the ropes. And E is caught between Lashley and, and AJ. So what he decides to do is he decides to roll out of the way Langston does. And when he does... A.J. gets hit with a spear, A.J. being the uh, last person to tag in from a blind tag that Bobby Lashley didn't see until the last minute, and Bobby hit A.J. with a spear, Bobby rolled out of the ring, and instantly Big E covers A.J. after Bobby just hit A.J. with a spear. And if you've seen this event then you already knew what happened. Langston ends up pinning AJ off of the spear and the miscommunication between him and his tag team partner Bobby Lashley. Lashley Lashley lost the title due to a cash due to a Money in the Bank cash-in by Big E. And if memory serves me correct, because they did talk about it here on this event in particular, what ended up happening was Bobby would challenge E to a proper rematch on the following night, Monday Night Raw. But if you know how Money in the Bank works, which Money in the Bank was the pay-per-view, if I'm correct, it... Happens somewhere in June or July, and after June or July comes August, which means that SummerSlam, because they did talk about SummerSlam too. And don't worry, we'll get to some SummerSlam highlights from SummerSlam 2021, which a lot of people were also mad about the fact that Becky Lynch had beaten uh had beaten Bianca Belair for instance in 26 seconds. Nonetheless, I thought that that was uh really good decision by them just to have uh Becky come back in the fashion that she did made her look so dominant but a lot of other people were kind of like oh but Bianca had such a strong run and just to end it in 26 seconds is kind of Well, it's kind of disrespectful, but me, I was like, oh, look at that, Becky, she's back, yeah, let's go, big time Bex! yes, woo, Becky Balboa, baby, you know, I was plugging all the Becky things that she used to say. Why is the WWE Championship not being defended? That was my question. This match went on way too long, though, honestly, because it was the opening contest. It went on for 30 minutes. Well, also counting entrances and stuff, but entrances and stuff was just like two minutes, maybe. Mm, Five minutes, you know, but still four and a half to five minutes which means that this match alone went 27 minutes to 29 minutes it went on far too long and i feel as though that they could have found a conclusion don't get me wrong i get it six-man tag team match they would have to get everybody's crap in oh these two they've got to butt heads and oh look at that hot tag and then the sequence and then the uh hot tag comes in and then fired up and then the big powerhouse comes in he's fired up and then oh here comes the acrobatic guys and now they're all jumping off the walls oh what's he going to do next 450 splash no he misses oh look at that technical wrestling oh you know like i i know how to sequence a wrestling match and then of course there was the oh here comes the powerhouses oh A little bit of this, a little bit of that, mozzarella, you know, some cheese, bam, throw that in the oven, what do you get, boom, pepperoni pizza, you know, like, mmm, flavor, like I get what they were doing. I just wish that it didn't take as long, even for a six minute, for a six minute for a six man tag team match, and it just goes to prove my point They could have shaved this match down by half if they would have just put Lashley and Big E in a one-on-one contest and the following Monday night on Raw, they wouldn't have to have this match. They would have already had it for the pay-per-view and it would have freed up a spot. See, put me in charge, WWE. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. You can trust me with your finances. Please, I'm struggling out here. Anyway, next we get the WWE uh, Tag Team Championships being on the line. One of two matches featuring the bloodline. And no, that wasn't supposed to rhyme. And of course it continued to rhyme. WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships are on the line as the Street Profits Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford face off against Jimmy and Jay, the Uso brothers. So what happened... uh... Okay, so what happened last week, basically, the Friday before this Sunday, was the fact that Montez Ford got the holy hell beat out of him. Simply because Montez Ford well you know they just see him as a threat. But Dawkins was busy and he had to go to a wedding. And Ford had to Well, he had to wrestle, you know. And he's a tag team wrestler. But Roman Reigns, as Pat McAfee put it, thought he would set an example before the bloodline got to picking at the bones, so to speak. So, Roman Reigns did a number on... Montez Ford. He beat his ribs. He beat his kidneys. Uh, apparently, he put him in a standing guillotine. He just leveled him, basically. He put this boy through hell in a handbasket on an episode of Friday Night SmackDown before the titular pay per view. And I gave this match 4 out of 5 stars. Did I say what I gave the 6-man tag team match? I gave the 6-man tag team match 3 out of 5 stars. I suppose that the ratings themselves aren't really important. It's the fact that I looked at them and um, the fact that I'm here to tell the story... The best match of the night, probably, debatably, and arguably, was the match between Charlotte Flair and Alexa Bliss. And this was one of those matches that I remembered seeing and that I didn't care to watch again because it is a beautiful contest. And a beautiful storytelling. And for that matter, I'm sorry, my cats. She wants under a blanket. And for that matter, it is a beautiful wrestling match. These two have such good chemistry together. Almost said. Kill musty and I don't know why that's not even a word. Highlights from SummerSlam 2021 showing Charlotte becoming a 12 time women's champion. So they showed some highlights a little bit of Charlotte beating everyone, and Michael Cole just says, Well, Charlotte beat Eva Marie, okay there were like six or seven women in the uh highlight steals that they showed like there was natalia there was charlotte i don't remember seeing eva marie in the steal that they showed like the the it was almost like a screenshot from someone's phone you know like it's not important though alexa and charlotte are the two that we will be discussing they talked about SummerSlam they talked about SummerSlam because I guess it's the last pay-per-view also I have a note here that tells me to talk about the evolution of Alexa I'll try to make this really brief but Alexa Bliss used to come out basically bearing a tutu and she used to like blow um, fairy dust or pixie dust or glitter, or whatever it is that she would blow at the crowd. And she would come out and she had this very upbeat type music, you know. And there's nothing wrong with the upbeat type music and the fact that you know she was embracing like a cheerleader phase, sort of, kind of, or you know. A, dance rehearsal phase I was asking another uh person who I was talking to about it um on an interview that didn't get uh fully recorded due to the fact that I tried to start this podcast in February of 2020 not 2021 but 2020 and it didn't go too well for me so there was one interview I tried to conduct but my software did not allow me to record that interview had that been the case though in said interview that was not recorded he ended up telling me that he finds that alexa is quote a fairy at that point in time at least she was and i don't really know how accurate that is but let me tell you this girl has come along long way from where she used to be um character development wise alexa has really blossomed whenever it comes to just everything i mean she went from that to practically doing the whole harley quinn thing or the freddy krueger thing rather the harley quinn thing to calling herself the goddess of wwe um just if you was to make a tier list of Alexa Bliss you would see the evolution both physically and as well as like her emotional her physical being exactly who she became she became Alexa Bliss who is in a league all her own if you really stop to think about it so it showed highlights from uh, Charlotte's match at um, SummerSlam where she became a 12 time women's champion um the raw women's championship match as alexa bliss faces off against charlotte flair now a lot of this was to do with to do with the fact that um alexa had i guess you could say forgotten who she was And Charlotte just felt like she was on top of the world. And Charlotte as well. If you look at the evolution of Charlotte Flair um, from NXT to back then, 2021, she would come out in NXT and say, I am genetically superior. And that's all that she would say. And she would give some quack reasons, I suppose. But, you know, they would just be like monologue reasons she's genetically superior because her father can pay for a limo or she's genetically superior because you know she's got the title and they weren't really like real reasons as to why she was quote genetically superior and now she no longer says that that she's genetically superior she just comes out and she's herself basically even though she does say it she doesn't actually say that she's just like i'm better than everyone in this arena and there's nothing that any of you can do about it and if you think about it alexa in 2018 this is keep in mind this is 2021 um, that we're looking at in 2018 was the first woman to win a Elimination Chamber. If memory serves me correct and I would be willing to stake my reputation without Googling it, I can tell you that she was the first woman to win an Elimination Chamber because I looked at that. I looked at what they referred to as a history-making first-ever Woman's Elimination Chamber in 2018. However, I gave this match 4 out of 5 stars. Um, And I feel as though that's what I gave it last time as well. Nothing really changed. The story stayed the same. And for that matter, just everybody played their part so well. Like, whenever you get Alexa together with Charlotte, they've got chemistry. And honestly, as a wrestling fan, the performance of these women is, bar none, cannot be beat. I suppose if they would have taken it a little bit further, maybe if there was a gimmick match between the two of them, the match ends basically whenever uh, Charlotte... Um, I forget how she wins but she ends up winning in one fashion or another and um, whenever she does she takes that that doll that Alexa has Lily and just rips it in half and throws Alexa to the other side of the announce table whenever she does that Alexa gets up and Bliss is beyond mad. And she's also in tears. Or at least she's acting as though that she's very distraught and sad. And she just basically starts screaming and crying. And... Because someone ripped Lily in half. And... I don't I don't know. It's just another layer to the evolution of Alexa Bliss. And whether it's with the fiend or whether it's without the fiend, it just speaks volumes for Alexa's character. Because my favorite Alexa, if you were to ask me, the goddess of WWE And at that time, at that time, Mandy Rose was also on the main roster. And she was calling herself the Golden Goddess. So it's really funny to see two people playing the same part. Well, sort of. Even though Alexa and Mandy never really, you know, had scrap together. Then we go to the uh, United States title match as Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus versus Damian Priest. I don't remember what I gave this match, <clears throat> um, but here I gave it three and a half out of five stars, and it's the United States Championship match as the champion Damian Priest faces off against Sheamus and Jeff Hardy, and I can't tell you the number of times that they have to constantly remind us because they act like that we're fish and we only have like a, a 10 second memory span but they have to remind us constantly that this is a triple threat match and or at least they feel the need to always remind us that one this is a triple threat match and two that the Champion's advantage doesn't exist. And three, if Sheamus pins Jeff Hardy, then Damian Priest loses his title. If Jeff Hardy pins or makes Sheamus submit, then Damian Priest loses his championship despite the fact that he wasn't involved in the decision. They need... It's almost like they've got a piece of paper in front of them that says... Say it as many times as possible before the match is over. It's like, why do you continue to insult your audience, WWE? And I'm pretty sure they understand what a triple threat match is. I'm pretty sure they know what it is that... <laughs> you get where I'm coming from, right? It's pretty frustrating whenever you have to listen to a pair of A parakeet like um, Michael Cole. Quack. Quack. This is a triple threat match. Quack. This is a triple threat match. Oh, Sheamus is pinning Jeff Hardy. That must mean that Damian Priest can lose his title. Quack. Sheamus is doing what Cody Rhodes did the first in his first wwe run so at the time uh cody rhodes back in like uh what was it 2011 2012 cody rhodes for whatever reason had like this mask that he put on and it wasn't you know your typical wrestling mask it was like a protective uh guard for his nose and he would come out with a. Uh, people dressed up in nice suits and hand out paper bags and tell the people to put the paper bags over their heads because he didn't want to look at them. Now Seamus hasn't taken it that far but the one thing that Seamus has done is basically to put it into context he's basically still in the whole hey uh Hey boss, I came in today and I broke my nose. Could you give me like a plastic uh, guard to put on it? And then, you know, he's kind of using that whole plastic guard to his advantage. Now, he doesn't take it off really and smack anyone in the face with it. He doesn't use it as a weapon like Cody did whenever he had it. Granted, even though he doesn't really try to take advantage of it despite him being a hill character who's much of a party pooper Seamus he's just like hey I don't want to see you having fun and if you are having fun then we can't be friends you know so it's either have fun or be my friend (laughs) it's just the way that he comes across and um if that's the case then I would rather not be your friend. Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus versus Damian Priest who is the champion for the United States Championship match and after Priest wins he ends up shaking uh, Jeff Hardy's hand and uh, raising his hand at the end of the match. They have respect for each other or at least that's what Commentary leads us to believe, <laughs> and um, Seamus uh walks away, and he's he's looking very distraught, very mad, very unhappy about it. You know, like whenever he's up at the up at the ramp to the wrestling ring, to the entryway, he's kind of like pulling his hair out, and he looks all mad, so it shows highlights from SummerSlam, oh, okay, Uh, three and a half out of five stars for that match, it was uh, fairly decent. Uh, Mid card match, but I feel as though that it shouldn't have been like right there. If anything, um, you know, priorities WWE, priorities um, Charlotte and Alexa should have been the co main event. That's what I feel. Uh, so, Big E versus Lashley, Charlotte and Alexa should have been the co main event instead of the third match. You know, like, what did they do to earn the, the ire of being the mid-card? I'll never know. But it shows highlights from SummerSlam where Becky beat Bianca in record time. After she won the title, she goes... She goes from calling herself the EST to calling herself the BEST. Talk about how that's not always true. So I had a whole speech prepared basically to let people know that it's not always true. Whenever you're the champion, you're the quote best in your division or for that matter the best in the company um i don't really know how to format that speech per se but i wanted to like give little examples let's say hulk hogan wins the world title you know like that doesn't mean anything it could just be a publicity stunt it could just be for him to promote his new movie or for that matter like it doesn't necessarily mean that he is the best the championship is only as good as you the champion make it um so whenever i heard that on commentary um michael cole for whatever reason says Bianca just went from E.S.T. to B.E.S.T. Think about people like Ric Flair. He made the title as relevant as what it was by the uh, constant cutting of his promos. By the the way that he spoke and the way that he carried himself. He could care less about anybody but himself because that championship was the only thing that he wanted to make number one he wanted that title to be the number one standard in the company that he worked for and for that matter in the world rick flair actually said something back whenever he was champion that stuck with me this he said this business is about two things cash and checks And breaking necks. I'm sorry. I had to remember it. But. I mean. He's not wrong. If you think about it. Um, Really. He's. He's. He's making a good point. Whenever he says that. I mean. And if you break enough necks. If you think about it. You'll be cashing. Those. People's checks. Because. You know. Your pay raise will go up. Because. Basically. Think about it, if there's eight executives in one office, right, and they're all getting paid the same thing, to do the same thing, why would there be eight of them, I don't know, just bear with me, one second, if there's eight executives in one office, and let's say five of them get canned, then the other three executives are The only three that are left, they're more than likely going to get the paychecks of those who got fired. Because they want to keep you, right? They want to keep you around, right? So why wouldn't they raise your pay little by little by little? You know, they want to make you feel appreciated. If not just for a little bit. But what I mean to say is Ric Flair, possibly one of the best promo promoers or promo-cutters of all time. <clears throat> it shows highlights from SummerSlam where Becky beat Bianca. And we get to that match and... Usually I write down highlights from a wrestling match. Uh, this time I didn't do that. But one one particular part in this match that really got me was the fact that Bianca sent Becky outside the ring. And Becky got to hear what Michael Cole said. and And she got pretty mad about it. So, I'm pretty sure Becky came back from the whole pregnancy thing, right? And um, she was out for like a year and three months, or four or five months, according to commentary, a year and a half. So anyway, if that's the case, Bel Air um, almost, like, Shoves or trips Becky out of the ring. And uh, whenever Becky gets over to the commentary table. Michael Cole says. And right in front of Becky's face. He basically says. And now Becky's probably thinking. What do I got to do to put her away? And Lynch looks straight at Michael Cole and says. That wasn't what I said Michael. Michael. That wasn't what I was thinking. Stop trying to put words in my mouth. And then she says. I have a plan. The entire match. Becky. Almost like. Looks like. She's seen a ghost. Every time that. Every time that Air kicks out. You'll barely see a two count. Or you'll see. You'll see the two count, and then you'll see, like, Becky, and she'll look like, what do I got to do to put this girl away? You know, what do I got to do to end this finally? I don't care that much for Bianca, and as far as the first time watching this, or for that matter, the first notes that I took, I can't remember where I ranked this match I'm almost certain beyond certain that I gave Alexa and Charlotte four out of five um I'm not sure what I you know why would I care is what some of you might be asking but for me it's about consistency see I couldn't find that other notebook And I don't know where it's at, so I'm going purely off of instinct in hopes that I'm consistent enough to know, like if all of these rankings, if at least two or three of them aren't correct on that first notebook that I had, then I guess what I'm saying is my ratings depend upon what mood I'm in. You know, and that's not a consistent thing to base a rating off of. Because you should put your emotions in your back pocket whenever you're doing a rating. Whether that be like a movie or a video game or anything of that nature. You just can't give something five stars because you felt good that day. Yeah, just gonna have to give that five star stamp of approval, baby. Woo yeah, that's gonna get that five stars. But anyway, what I mean to say is that this match in particular, I don't remember what it was that I originally ranked rated it rather um but for this right here because of the story that they told, it's all about Bianca. It's all about her trying to get her spot back. It's all about Bianca trying to um, tear down the house. And Becky, practically, without without any sort of leg to stand on, so to speak. And Becky almost had her two, three times. And I know what you're thinking. I just spoiled the match, right? Becky almost had her. Well, you're wrong. Because... In comes Sasha Banks, who is supposed to be, according to commentary, supposed to be the original um opponent for Becky or rather for uh Bel Air. But uh Sasha couldn't make it to the SummerSlam event. But we're not talking about SummerSlam here. But they keep mentioning SummerSlam, despite this not being SummerSlam. This is extreme rules. <clears throat> but Sasha Banks comes in and she basically costs Air the match and then Becky goes to hug Sasha Banks and Sasha lets her have it that was our co-main event Our main event is for the WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns, our champion and our tribal chief for 391 days versus Finn Balor, the demon. So the demon is a persona that Finn basically conjures up whenever he's head over heels almost like... In trouble, and it's almost like if you've ever played a video game and you face stage one of a boss, only to find out that there's multiple phases or multiple um parts rather to that boss, or for that matter, that you take Final Fantasy 10 for example. If you've never played that game, there's this dumbass that keeps showing up, and his name's Seymour. So. Seymour shows up a number of times because uh, a girl rejects him. The girl's name is Una. Una tells him multiple, multiple, multiple times, No, I'm not going to marry you, you stupid bastard. But she... I mean, Seymour, he will not take no for an answer. Um, And... The people who are supposed to be protecting Yuna this entire time, one of them's jealous. The other ones, they could give all fuck about it as long as she continues her pilgrimage um, to go fight Sin. I'm not trying to make this a, a video game reviewer. I'm not trying to pad for time. It's simply um, me making alliteration of the fact that Finn Balor, in a way has a lot in common with seymour from final fantasy 10 even though he kind of doesn't because seymour's looking to destroy the world uh finn Balor's just looking to take over the world at professional wrestling if you think about it 391 that's the number of days that roman reigns at this point in time had held the um universal championship we are almost a full calendar year from this man holding the universal championship. if you'll remember he originally beat if I remember correctly, it was Bray Wyatt <clears throat> I can't remember what event that was at though, but I suppose if I was to sidetrack myself three hundred ninety one or three hundred ninety days um back from where I'm looking at this, but I don't remember seeing a... Uh, I don't remember seeing a, um, like, August, November, you know, like, I don't remember seeing a date for this. <clears throat> so, at this point in time, he only had the Universal title, so that leads me to believe that somewhere down the line he gets big E's. Big E or um, Bobby Lashley or The Miz, uh, he gets the WWE Championship somewhere down the line. <clears throat> and it's clear to me that he had the WWE Universal Champion first. Had it been up to me though, I would have done this match a little bit differently So I know that I said earlier that I would um, give Bobby Lashley the WWE Championship match against um, Big E Langston. But if I were to scrap that idea, and let's say that Big E wasn't the WWE Champion, I would have given it to Roman at around the same time that he won the Universal title, had I would have known that it was going this far. Um, And on top of that, I would have made this match right here. For one of two of those titles. Keep that in mind. One of two of those titles. And the Universal title seems as though that it is the lowest. Or at least it is lower than the uh, WWE Championship. Because the WWE Championship in a lot of circles is regarded as the highest accomplishment in WWE. So had that been the case I would have put the uh, WWE Universal Championship. I feel as though that they did that correctly on the line. And um, had that been the case, I would have reversed the decision here in one way or another. I mean, we see a lot of spots here. We see um, we see the fact that in commentary they say that the Demon is undefeated in WWE. Um, He has these kendo sticks and there's like four of them taped together and they're they look like they're looking massive too uh we get a holy shit chant we get a this is awesome chant we get not one not two not three but four table spots uh, including putting roman through a table um actually he gets put through two tables uh, putting Finn Balor through one table and I can't remember who the fourth table was but I remember that it was an announced table uh, the top rope breaks uh, spear number three gets it done gets him the the win now I remember giving this one much more than three out of five stars I can't remember whether it was three and a half or whether it was four but or it Could have actually been five as well. I remember it being something of that nature. Because I was so happy about it. But at the same time there's so many inconsistencies here. So as I talked about on my YouTube channel. And as I talked about on here. um, At least at the time that this happened. I talked about it on my YouTube channel. There's not a new video up if you're trying to look for it right now. Um, the one thing that I would like to mention is the fact that whenever Roman, <laughs> whenever uh, Finn Balor goes up top, it almost seems as though that he was primed for victory to win. The lights go out, except they come back on, except. Whenever they do come back on, it's like this red just hue, and all you see is red, and then Finn Balor just comes to life. He was basically on the ground. He had been broken in half by a spear, and he just springs to life. All of a sudden, grabs like a kendo stick, and then gets to wailing on Roman Reigns' He grabs a steel chair, not a kendo stick, and he gets the wailing on Roman Reigns, and he's got Roman right in the middle of the ring, right where he wants him. He's about to hit that fabulous coup de grace, and you know what happens? The ring rope snaps. So it sends Finn Balor tumbling to the ground. The red hue that I mentioned that was over the arena, the red lighting, it goes away. And Roman just picks apart the bones. Almost like whenever Finn hit the mat um, off of that Superman punch, after Roman gets back up, he looks straight at Finn, and then he says, just just let it happen. And then he does. It's almost like a last-minute call of Roman Reigns saying, hey, we'll figure it out. You know, like, let's just make this call so that we don't have to redo any spots and then once they got back there they they was like talking about it because freak accident i don't know roman was looking up and he was like there was just an act of god that saved me after he'd won the match he was walking up to the ramp and true to form roman was still still talking about how he's the tribal chief. I'm the man in charge around here. I don't know how we went from the big dog because that's what he called himself. You know? He called the ring his yard. You know? These are all things, by the way, that the Undertaker said once or twice before. And it's relevant or it's prevalent that you know that because whenever Roman beat the Undertaker even though Victory's kind of tainted if you think about it because he wasn't the first one to do it you know it's kind of like if he was the first one to do it then it would have meant more but instead now they have to keep bringing back Brock Lesnar as a I'm going to put this in air quotes viable threat because every time that Brock Lesnar comes back it's only for a squash match it's never for like uh big match spectacular, you know. It's never for like a actual run in WWE. An actual, you know, wrestling run. Whether that be for a championship or for an actual tour of WWE. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. Time for me, Mocha, to sign off and tell you all to have a great day. And I'm losing my voice again. That's a wrap. And happy anniversary. I won't say to me, I'll say to us the gut wrench, the gut wrench dynasty. That's a wrap.